Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take The Dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the planet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? Turns out, that story was way bigger than just an optical illusion. It's a cautionary tale about the decline of clickbait sites, the rise of algorithms and internet polarization, and the end of fun on the internet. Seriously, and that's just one story. We're giving every character their 16th minute. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Bad Manners. This is the podcast that takes you inside Britain's stately homes and tells all the tales the guidebooks don't. My name is Tom Horton, and I'll be your host. As a comedian, I'm not really bothered about the facts and figures. I just want the juicy stuff. So I'm on a mission to find out the frightening, filthy, and downright jaw-dropping stories of these stately homes and the people in them. Today, we're in hell. Sort of. More specifically, we're at West Wickham Park, at the southern edge of the Chiltern Hills, and we're visiting the Hellfire Caves, home to the Hellfire Club. I know what you're thinking. Oh, cool! The Dungeons and Dragons Club from Stranger Things. Not quite. The Hellfire Caves were excavated in 1748 by Sir Francis Dashwood, well-known prankster and libertine who was later appointed Chancellor of the Exchequer. A politician known for drinking and womanising? Surely not. So what did he want with a network of caves 200 metres underneath his home? Well, that's where we venture into the realm of rumour and hearsay. Due to the lack of documentation, no one can either confirm or deny, but this podcast is all about scandal and rumour, so I'll say it. It was a satanic sex club. Allegedly. And by that I mean almost definitely. The club hasn't been active since the 1760s, and these days West Wickham Park is home to Sir Edward Dashwood and his family. If I'd known it was no longer a functioning sex club, I wouldn't have paid the entrance fee. Oh well, I guess we're here now. Time to meet our guide for the day. Hi, my name is Willow Randall, uh, the ripe old age of 19, and I am the manager and head tour guide here at the Hellfire Caves. Willow has lived and breathed West Wickham her whole life, and she must have a sadistic streak herself because the first thing she made me do was walk up a massive bloody hill. We're walking up towards a hexagon-shaped building. It's very grey with some nice white pillars and a couple lovingly embracing each other <laughs> in front. Fitting for the theme. It is very nice, actually. Can we take 30 seconds just to catch just, breath? Yeah. So we've just made it to the top of the hill at the mausoleum and we're looking out now over Wickham, the remarkably straight road that goes straight up. Mm-hmm. From, uh, the idea is from London, I believe, all the way to here. Yeah. And then on the right, we can see the house. 
You've been in there, have you? I do a lot of work in there as well, oh, especially on film sets and stuff. So. Oh, what sort of films? Oh, Bridgerton, we've had Bridgerton stuff. gets everywhere. Bridgerton's everywhere. Bridgerton is like a the disease of the <laughs> of the stately home no exactly film sets uh, Bridgerton we've had Fast and Furious was here uh, a bit more of a different you know bit, bit got, different vibe. Got, got to change it. it was I believe it was a Russian base in that film was it? it yeah it was the whole thing we had The Rock and Jason Statham on the back lawn that's amazing so now we can see the mausoleum, the house, the road, the caves are below us. Mm -hmm. Can we just get a quick fire history about the whole thing? Of course. So at the moment, we're sort of above the banqueting hall, which is the largest man-made chalk cavern in the world. But we'll get to that later. And the house itself, as you can see, it's, well, incredible. I believe there's 30 plus rooms. There's five state rooms. And it's gorgeous. And if you sort of look on um, Wikipedia, we get a lot of crews and they go, oh, it's an orgy house. And I'm like, the house wasn't, but the caves was. And then they go, there's a cave and you have to go. Yeah, that's kind of the thing they did back in those days. But the house, I mean, many famous people have been there. Obviously, we've had many celebrities with filming. Um, the late Queen Elizabeth II, she actually stayed there at some point with Princess Anne. Um, Benjamin Franklin, as well, in the time of the club, he came to visit a lot, and he's someone we'll get into later. <laughs> Most definitely, he has one of my favourite quotes of all time. But they say the manor has been used loads of films, and it's still used to this day. Um, Sir Edward likes to have a lot of elaborate parties there. Christmas carols are very fun as well so it's how elaborate parties are we talking well that i can confirm just dinners that just we dinners, know of okay. um as well it gets hired out for a lot of weddings um lots of fireworks that are nice to hear in the middle of the night but <laughs> the estate itself is actually five thousand acres so sort of what we can see here in the lake as well just to the left is kind of just his back garden but it stretches for for miles and miles and it's absolutely gorgeous if i do say so myself So we're looking out across this very lush green scenery to the house, like a yellow daffodil sat there. And the, what I assume is the gardens in front. Could you just give us a rundown on the house? Absolutely. So the house has actually been in the Dashwood family since 1698, I believe. And it was actually gifted to the family as they were in the silk trade. It was very prevalent at that time. This main road was the only road in between London and trade at that time was such a prevalent area of business. And West Wickham itself was actually a marketing village sort of a farming town since about the 1300s so it's sort of been a village for as long as you can think of the family still own it nowadays so it's half owned by the family half owned by the national trust parts of the year the gardens and the house are open as well but you you wouldn't really want everyone walking through your house all the way through the year so they have the upper floors and then the bottom floor is all the state rooms it's absolutely gorgeous and then with the house on our right looking south, we turn to our left and we've got this massive structure. What's <laughs> yeah, this? It's, well, it's absolutely beautiful. The architecture is sort of mainly inspired from Greek and Europe, but this is the Dashwood family mausoleum. It's still used to this day, uh, family burial ground. As you can see, the central grave is actually from the first Sir Francis, which is our Sir Francis II's dad. So very one in the middle. And he's buried in there with his, yep. next to his missus because there's a, yep. a man and a woman there. Yep, so the man and the woman. This is mainly used for the Dashwood family, but a few people have been buried there as well. Paul Whitehead, who's someone we'll talk a lot about later, and Giuseppe Bornet, who actually died on the estate. He fell off his scaffolding. So he was the painter for the house, all of the oh, state rooms. And he died while he was painting? Yeah, he fell off his scaffolding on Doing the south colonnade. Doing what he loved. Exactly, what more could you want? That's how I want to go, falling off some scaffolding. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> 
I love doing podcasts, but let's try and make it through the day, shall we? Oh, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) We're going underground soon, so have fun. I'm now up against um, the gate looking into the inner area of the mausoleum. It's actually really beautiful. It's It's, very peaceful. It's stunning, yeah. So going in there as well, I've only been in there a couple of times, but the ground's very squishy, but it is. It's sort of this tranquil, you think it's sort of private burial ground and it's very peaceful in there. And there's lots of pots that are inside these alcoves, which are all sort of about... What, 15 foot above the uh, the ground? Is there anything in those pots? So, yeah, they're actually the ashes of um, certain family members. Obviously, the ones up top, as you can see, aren't named at all. But they're mm. all... So not the actual bodies themselves, but they're ashes. Yeah. And as you can see, sort of if I just point just to the left, um, there's one that sort of looks like it has a harp on it that doesn't actually have the urn on top. That's because we're sort of about above the urn. It's actually been placed in the caves. And that is Paul Whitehead's where he he was used to be so Paul Whitehead keeps on getting mentioned Mm -hmm. who exactly was he so he's someone very important that we have to remember he was one of sort of the 12 brothers of the club that's what sort of the elite 12 that's what they named themselves but Paul Whitehead was Dashwood's sort of right-hand man they were best friends they both enjoyed many similar things women drinking partying but uh, Paul Whitehead actually was a poet in those days and poetry obviously was very prevalent, especially in the Georgian era. Him, him and Dashwood have a very particular relationship. A lot of people think that they were more than friends. It's, yeah, it, it sounds that way, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, especially if you think when Paul Whitehead died, he left two things to Sir Francis. He left his heart and £50 for the deposit for the marble urn, which is now in the caves. As you do, you know, you give your best mate your heart when you die. Yeah. Is the heart still down there? No, unfortunately, it was stolen in 1829 by an Australian explorer or soldier. We don't really know which of it was, but his heart was sort of used as a, as a twisted show and tell almost. You could pay a couple of shillings and, and feel the heart. And yeah, Victorians were weird. Yeah. In my, yeah. my defence, Victorians were weird. But yeah, then his heart was, it was said to be sort of the size of a lump of charcoal when it was stolen. And it's sort of said that Paul Whitehead's spirit roams the halls of the caves, screaming who has his heart. And if you reply that, Paul, I do not have your heart, then he won't take yours. So, yeah, just keep an ear out, <laughs> just in yeah, case. No, no, just, and just tell the truth. Tell the I truth. I absolutely do not have it. I hope not. I'm not an Australian explorer. I'm an, just an English podcaster. <laughs> and I do not have your heart, Paul. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God, 
my friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So tell us about Francis. So our lovely Dishy Dashy Sir Francis. Is that what he's called? Well, that's what we call him on our tours. We have to explain how much of an important figure he was and how much of a heartthrob he was as well. He was Dishy, was he? Um, It depends what you're into. but (laughs) Not not your cup of tea. Not personally. Back in the day. I mean, I don't know how important looks were back then in the Georgian era, but... You never know. Sir Francis was our, our main man of the story. He was said to be quite a cheeky chap. Um, he's called the black sheep of the family. Younger in life, he was very cheeky, very naughty. And so he was sent on some grand tours around Europe. And that's why a lot of the architecture of the mausoleum and of the house has sort of that Greek, Roman or you know Eastern European sort of the big columns and all the ornate scribings and stuff. And it's beautiful. But he sort of came back from those. And then eventually, I believe in the 1730s, that he sort of came up with this club. A lot of very important people doing things that they don't do in the public eye. He was a very important figure. He was in charge of the Exchequer at one point. He was a member of Parliament. A lot of these people were very important members of society, members of Parliament, royalty even. The son of the Archbishop of Canterbury at the time, the Prince of Wales, is thought to be one of the members as well, obviously at the time, and even Benjamin Franklin as well. So Scandalous. Absolutely scandalous. What sort of stuff was he getting onto on these uh, European trips? So Francis, he was a he was a prankster. He he loved a little joke, and we'll see that more into the times of the club as well. But it was said that he even dressed up as sort of members of royalty and sort of played pranks on people as oh, well. He liked to masquerade ball, didn't he? He did. Mm-hmm. He loved dressing up. There's actually a picture of him, the most important portrait in the dining room of the house, that has him dressed up as this very important deity with this glass of wine in yeah. hand. And even our current Sir Dashwood, Sir Edward, his dad recreated that picture as well. Oh, nice. And it's, yeah, it's beautiful in this sort of golden frame. It's stunning. But yeah, he was quite the trickster. I think with all this sort of spooky stuff and caves and masquerade balls, the Phantom of the Opera is what is really <laughs> coming to my mind. He just needs to go and see that, that musical. Yeah, chandelier dropping chandelier and everything. Chandelier dropping, all that sort Perfect. of stuff. Perfect. I mean, we'll see what we can do. But. <laughs> Please. So while Sir Francis was in Europe, he did join this this dilettante club, which was, again, very important people, very established gentlemen in society. Having a nature of the arts, they all, they like I say, many of them were poets, many of them were writers, and many of them artists as well. So they had this sort of share loved for all the, the finer things in life. And you think that this was sort of his, this sort of put the seed in for his idea of the club, literally or figuratively, yeah. whichever you want to take that that way. <laughs> Was there an initiation to get in these clubs? Not that we know of, actually, but it's very important sort of you bring up. You'd love to think that they had sort of this sort of frat frat party kind of... I mean, I had to join my rugby club at university and I had to eat a wheel of cheese and run around around about naked. Lovely. Yeah, so that, that should be the bare minimum, I would say. <laughs> Learning so much about you. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I like to share. It's absolutely. <laughs> but it's this club it was only invitation only and well, for the men essentially. The women as well were rumoured to be brought in in 
less nicer ways. Yeah, were they members? Were they were just grabbed and more like in? property essentially? Yeah, sure. um, again, a lot of it we can't confirm or deny because again, Paul Whitehead, our lovely fellow, actually burnt all of the records of the club days before he died mm. in 1774. So thanks, Paul. We don't really know a lot because yeah. of him. There's nothing that screams innocence like burning all of the evidence. Exactly. Immediately, is it's you know that's what any normal person <laughs> would course, do on yeah, their absolutely. deathbed order all of their servants to burn <laughs> everything about this social club. So your man comes back from his tour, mm-hmm. essentially his gap year, yep. and he's gone, really enjoyed that. He's probably been insufferable in a few smoking areas, gone, no, no, you don't understand what it's like <laughs> over there. No, seriously, we need something like this over here. Mm-hmm. So he decides to just recreate it himself. Absolutely. I mean, who wouldn't? It's, you know, you, you have know, this... Yeah, I think I did exactly that at university. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty much the same. You're in Hellfire Club. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, you know, <laughs> they're just learning guitar and just having tie-dye sheets on my wall and stuff Love going, it. no, you don't understand the levels of poverty around the world. <laughs> oh my God, no, seriously, it's outrageous. Absolutely. I mean, as you say, Sir Francis loved it so much he had to come back and have his own. Yeah. And this obviously beautiful mausoleum was actually built at the same time as the caves were dug out, late 1740s, early 1750s. And the church as well of St. Lawrence, which we'll um, see in a minute, was originally sort of left derelict. It was in the 1100s. This hill was actually a pagan ritual site. <laughs> this hill's seen some it's stuff. Seen day, some it? stuff. Talking about this, I want to interview the hill. <laughs> I mean, hey hill. Hey. Very unresponsive at the moment. <laughs> Unfortunately, maybe we'll get some answers later, probably. Yeah. But the church was um, rejuvenated and rebuilt to sort of match this architecture of the mausoleum as well. And um, it's recently been decommissioned, unfortunately, but it's got the most gorgeous golden ball on top of it that actually was inspired by an Italian church. And is that the ball where they used to reflect it, the light on it to yeah. show that... Done um, your research. Very impressed. I'm not messing around here. <laughs> uh, it's because I'm really interested in it. Um, so they used to, get me if I'm wrong, but they used to reflect the sun's light off the golden ball and that would alert people that party time like an ancient back signal kind of thing yeah. it was sort of each of the the faces sort of faced each come, sorry that's my only joke of the day you're getting no, that's, no. that's it no, you could please do more no, that was but nice. it's the, they sort of have one at um, each compass point north east south and west and again oh. they use the mirrors to sort of reflect the sun oh, and, like a sexy beacons of gondor yeah. i mean who wouldn't want that it's just like like the beacons Woo! Woo! Like party let's time. do it but uh, John Norris, who's actually, um, he was our main man of Hewingdon Manor at the time. They actually would, he would look out for it. And he had, we said that he had, he was gifted a pair of um, binoculars from Sir Francis. To, <laughs> just there at the window like, oh, for weeks and weeks. Just that's a recent out. fact, so you're welcome for that one. <laughs> Why is granddad never leaves the window? <laughs> yeah, I've seen some stuff, man. <laughs> as you do. So when did the caves start? So the caves started, 1748 was the first year that they began excavation and it finished in 1752. But these caves weren't dug for any odd reason. It was, well, what the village saw was that Sir Francis was this hero because the village actually had nine years of failed harvests. So they were, you know, needed jobs, they needed help, they needed money, they needed someone to help them. So Sir Francis came in and said, you know what? I'm going to send a hundred of you up to this hill and you need to bring me chalk to build the main road between West Wickham and High Wickham. Right. Because all of the carriages were upturning and as I mentioned earlier, it was this sort of like main trade road and it's still extremely busy and very fun with traffic to this day. <laughs> um, 
And he sort of used this as his sort of frontal, more, you know, putting face on version of what he wanted, you know, people to think that he was this hero. Well, I was going to say, he's like, the caves aren't completely secret then. No. Just the purpose of what they would be used for was exactly. the secret. So they thought that all of this, well, it still is, all this chalk was used for the bed of the road. And sort of if we go 20 minutes down the way towards Loudwater is they were doing um, excavation for the big Tesco down there. Sure. And uh, they discovered that the chalk bed of the road would have only come from the caves. So it does stretch a ways away. Wow. So what the public didn't know was that Sir Francis was using this as sort of his, you know, my one-up to the rest of the rest of the, the Dilidanti Club was that he's like, you know what? I'm going to do this thing that no one's ever done before and I'm going to build a cave for my parties. Nice. And that's what he did. I've definitely been, in my low, around like north where my parents live, there's definitely that neighbour who gets an extra big conservatory just to show off. Come into some money and yeah, just yeah, gone, yeah. you know what? Conservatory. Yeah. Oh, tennis court, have you? Mm. Extension. But a cave, a cave, cave, is a, cave is a hell of a flex. As you do. I mean, as people in those days, it was all about reputation and yeah. all about, you know, saving face and being that modern gentleman of, of those times. So would you then just, um, would you then contact the, the Dilly Dally Club? <laughs> what they call again? <laughs> Dilettante. Dilettante. I do like that though. I'm going to use <laughs> that when I can't remember well, I keep on just thinking, don't Dilly Dante <laughs> yeah. on the way, is what I keep on singing to myself. Uh, and they go, hey guys, guess what I've got? Massive caves. You know, and like, they, would they come over then? And go, yeah, it's kind of like top traps, you know, when you're like, cave. Yeah, dominoes, motherfucker. <laughs> Basically. But, and then it was said that he sort of, uh, twice a year, he'd have these AGMs and sort of invite the club. When it was this sort of social club, it had obviously the darker aspect that we don't know when it sort of changed or if they always had this kind of dark secret and, you know, little flicker of light that they, you know, kept secret. Yeah, nice try, Sir Francis. AGM's social club. I see you, you horny little toad. Now we're getting to the juicy stuff. The birth of the Hellfire Club. So we're in about sort of 1755 was when the caves actually being like started being used for this club, but they were never actually called the Hellfire Club in those days. Ever, 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 ever. Never. Oh. It's sort what, of a more modern called? thing. It's sort of, well, it's the West Wickham Caves, as, as they were called, or sort of the Brotherhood of Sir Francis of Wickham, or the Knights of St. Francis. Much it, more sophisticated. Yeah, not just like hell and fire and yeah, stuff. Yeah. That's sort of when we go into more of the rumours that happened down there with the club. They were said to be Satanists, and you think it's this sort of social club when actually they weren't they were horrible and they were said to bring in prostitutes for these meetings. They were perhaps trafficked, human trafficked as well. Again, this is all sort of rumours because we, we do not know what did or didn't happen, essentially, because of, you know, Paul Whitehead again. Um, but yeah, 1755 was when they started being used for this club. But you highly suspect that it was as dark as people say. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it depends who you ask. I mean, as I say, growing up, you get told about all these rumours that the club was this, you know, orgy, party, everything, doing who they want, when they want, and what they want, which they definitely did. Yeah. Um, but, but what about things like child sacrifice and all that sort of, like, yeah. really, that's... So they were said, you know, to have the largest, largest collection of satanic material and pornographic material at the time. It was said that they were hand around these books and get themselves in the mood for these parties. We, again, we cannot confirm or deny that human sacrifice did happen. But, you know, if you look back in a lot of especially satanic rituals and stuff, it depends how much you know. It's a lot of things that do get thrown around are sacrifice and animal and human. Because how do you get to that point? Like if you're starting like your secret club 
and then you know you, you've had a nice time with the di the dilly dally lot, and then you go okay, you got your first your first meeting, and mm -hmm. you're like okay, just make sure we've got a good tray of biscuits and some squash out, and then by the sort of fifteenth meeting, you're like we need to spice this up a bit, right? Any ideas? Brainstorming. Human sacrifice? Let's do it. The well, Marjorie, let's go yeah. for it. Kill them. <laughs> it's, again, you have no idea how this transition happened in such a short amount of time. Because the club actually in 1763 was when it sort of started to break down. So it's only a matter of, you know, not even 10 years that this club was about in the caves. So, so it's over the course of 10 years, it's ish. gone from orange squash and biscuits to we're going to set a baby alive. We're going to have orgies and set babies alive. Yeah, pretty much. Ready? Ready to go? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you lead first, and I will, I will meekly follow behind. <laughs> hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take The Dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the internet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? But there's way more to this story than that. The dress went viral in early 2015, marking one of the last months that the internet could still be fun. It was just before Trump declared his candidacy for president and polarized and already polarized internet. It was just shy of people deciding what went viral instead of algorithms. And it was just shy of celebrities realizing that they should never, ever tweet. It's more than a character of the day. It's an entire moment in time bottled in a little, well, either blue and black or white and gold package. I'm not relitigating it again. You cannot make it. And that's just one story. We've got a million. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we're now entering the caves. Am I, at what point am I meant to say, I don't have your heart? Well, if you just now? hear or see him at all, it depends. What, you, what's your points on the paranormal? What's your views? My views? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I believe that, I believe there are echoes of things that happened mm -hmm. and they stay around, definitely. I've lived long enough in a very haunted place to know that 
I've felt some stuff over mm-hmm. the years. So I think I'd always err on the side of caution. Yes, that's, well, you've definitely come to the right place then. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm a medium myself, so I do a lot of stuff with the, yeah. Right. I love how you just looked at me in fear. I, I love <laughs> that. I'm just like, ah. well, sort of Fear, but also a bit of safety. I feel mm-hmm. like having a medium on my side is, I'm assuming you're on my side. Well, you'd like to think so, but some spirits don't like young women. It's a very common thing. So, yeah, right. might want to take a step away from me for that okay, reason. Right. I'll, but well, I'll, just, I'll, I'll just stand over here But then. one of our spirits doesn't like men, so... Which one's that? Uh, Suki, the white lady. I've heard of her. Mm-hmm. Is, is that the one that got the rock in her face? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so eloquently put. <laughs> She's got the rock in her face. <laughs> yeah, she, oh, yeah, that's the girl who got brought down by a, couple, a bunch of blokes mm-hmm. with whatever they were going to do to her. She threw a rock at them, missed... They throw a rock at her. Bang. Bang in the eyes. Uh, yeah. Well, I wouldn't like men either, to be no. fair. I, Suki, I'm on your side, I agree. So we've taken our first steps into the caves, and what is still quite a small um, enclave then narrows down considerably to sort of 20 metres before it curves off, and it gets more and more looming and dark and mysterious as you go down it's quite scary it does add to the effect though as you um can see sort of a map just to my left here it's more a system of tunnels than just sort of a hole in the ground Mm -hmm. but hellfire system of tunnels doesn't exactly have a good of a ring to it no it doesn't and the fact that you've got to cross the river sticks to get to the inner temple yeah oh my god (laughs) do i need to pay a ferryman is there gonna be a three-headed dog down here it depends. It depends how much you want to keep your soul or not. You were meant to be giving me confidence. And to be honest, you were just freaking me out, to be honest. It's part of my job. It's what I'm meant to do. Okay, well, let's take our first steps. Mm-hmm. Very loud, crunchy steps. Yes. <laughs> Into the gravel. Yes, absolutely. Yes. But no, we normally say the ones at the back get taken first, so... I'll go at the front then. <laughs> Lead the way. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> Um, Yeah, it's got considerably darker now as we come to the first sort of turning point. So we've just stopped at the first alcove, which is the steward's cave. Mm -hmm. Lots of tools. Lots of tools, obviously. You say it's it's named um, the steward's cave, but Paul Whitehead was actually our steward. This is what they call the tool shed. Literally everything was chucked in here. Pickaxes, shovels, hammers, everything were just sort of chucked in there. They'd grab it as they would go down to dig. The, the villagers would grab it. They would. And at the end of the day, they'd claw off and put them back. Pretty much, yeah. But it was um, donkey and cart as well were down here to sort of lump out the bigger oh, So donkeys would be going up and down this as well? Yeah. The chalk's a lot heavier than you think it is. No, so, sure, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, donkey and cart, quite glamorous of those days. So, it's also worth noting that there is a downward slope to it all. They are going, they are sinking as mm-hmm. they're digging. They're not going straight through the hill. No, it does get a lot more steep as you go further down as well. Yeah, sort of as we get past the banqueting hall, sort of towards hell, um, when we get to the triangle. Towards hell, yeah, lovely. Well, it's as you do, it's the inner <laughs> temple, you know. You've got, you've got to be straight up with it. It does get a lot more steep, and as you can see, there's a chance of showers in here. It's quite damp. It's so. very moist. It is. It's very moist. Why is it moist? Um, it's just the nature of caves, obviously, um, all the water, the precipitation sinking down through the ground, and it, you know, makes us lovely and slippy in here. So if you lean against the wall, you might get a bit chalky, but I promise it comes off in the wash, so. It's making me moist. Oh, lovely. <laughs> what more could you want? I don't know like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, just, just confirming. Just sweaty and nervous. No, don't be nervous. We're only, we're only going into hell. It's fine. Sure. <laughs> Should we move further into the cave? Mm-hmm. Okay. I 
I don't know what it is about being in a sort of enclosed underground area, but you feel like whispering immediately. Yeah. There's, there's no reason. I mean, you're clearly a bit more used to it because you're talking at full volume, whereas I'm like, where are we going now? It's... I just don't want to disturb anyone. No, it's as long as we're, you know, respectful to spirits and everything, then, you know, remind them that they may interact with you but cannot come home with you, then we're all good. Do you think that they'd never leave the caves, the spirits, you I think? I mean, some do. Spirits attach themselves to people, you know. Portals Great. have been opened here for centuries, so... Right, cool. Yeah. Well, that might explain what happens next, then. For those of you that have listened to our Chillingham Ghost Hunt episode, you'll know the Bad Manners Protocol by now. Record podcast, mention spirits, technology failure. So, next, uh, next we're in our second... What the fuck's that? <laughs> it's static from the, um, Christ. It's static from the electric recording equipment rather than, I thought hell had opened. It's the spirits. It's the spirits. <laughs> We're in our second alcove and second bloke in a wig mm-hmm. who sat down. Who's this? This is our Paul Whitehead. This is Paul Whitehead. This is him, the gentleman right. himself. Paul, I don't have your heart. There we go. Had some practice. I, well, I was, I was made aware. This is when the mannequin moves. And <laughs> don't, 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 sharp, sharp, don't, don't do that. But, so yeah, he is our lovely fiberglass man. And yeah. as you can see, just to the right of him is his urn. I saw that then, yeah. yeah nice, so that's where his heart would have been. Would have been. And if you have a look on the urn, it's actually quite a provocative image. You... I can see two bodies mm-hmm. in spooning position. Yeah. Is that... Him and someone else? It, well, it's believed to have been him and Sir Francis. Sure, yeah. But, yeah, you know, running on the theme. But as you can see, it is quite beat up and broken, but it is the original. It's sort of That's thought the original. Yep, wow. solid marble. So 50 pounds back then thought to be about eight grand-ish nowadays. So, really? yeah, that's why we keep it, keep it locked. Yeah. <laughs> but it's lovely, though. It is. It's absolutely gorgeous. Very ornate, very, you know, thought about, you know, with carving. And this is where Paul Whitehead would sit. This was his domain. And he would come in, he would sign everyone in, he would take down their names, their occupation, their address. Right, so this is really the doorman This front was of the door. Not with yeah. those shoes, mate. No. Well, <laughs> funny you mentioned um, clothing. He actually would also give them their attire for the night. What's the attire that they'd wear? So uh, men would dress as monks, women would dress as nuns, and Dashwood would be dressed as the Pope. Over on the wall with his big pointy hat. Where is the Pope? Where is so he? just to the right of the map, you can see a lovely face carved into the wall. Oh, God, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. with a pointy hat. Yeah. That's spooky. Yeah, so there's about 45 to 50 faces carved into the walls all down the caves. That's sort of like a, uh, like a reimagining of the green man, you know, yeah. in the trees, but just mm-hmm. with stone and caves. I mean, as you walk down, you think in the dark, you think they would literally have candles and they would have a face on I the I would suddenly come out of you. Yeah, and it's terrifying. <laughs> I mean, there's the face of the devil carved into the walls as well as we go further down. Oh, shut up. It's true. I'm just telling you facts. <laughs> but it was William Hogarth um, was a very famous painter at the time. And he was very good friends with Sir Francis. And he commissioned him to carve all of the faces of the members of the club into the walls. Right, so they and, all have their own faces on the mm-hmm. walls. And as I mentioned, the devil is carved into the walls, so they actually considered Satan a member himself. Yeah. I wonder if he... Does he still have to pay the membership fee? I mean... Or does he get him for free? You never know. I mean, it depends if he was summoned, I guess. It, yeah. You know, pay on, a, on appearance, yeah, yeah. I guess. That's technically a corporate for him. Yes, corporate go. gig, corporate prices. You know, he's a businessman, <laughs> Sir Francis yeah. was. As a self-employed man myself, yeah. I can understand why the devil would be, mm-hmm. well, you know... For 15 minutes, it's... Uh, Special three, appearance. Three and a half grand, yeah. VIP. 
and my rider is three virgins, <laughs> four goats, and uh, just some Coca-Colas. A drink of choice for the <laughs> yeah. night. But yeah, as you can see, sort of Sir France, that's, that was Sir Francis. That is his face that was thought to be carved into the walls. So as you can see, Sir Francis was looking sort of towards this direction as people were entering and signing in. So it was almost as if he was watching his prey for the night, mm-hmm. essentially. So this is where Paul Whitehead would have taken all the notes of everyone mm-hmm. who attended. But what happened to the notes? So as I've previously mentioned, he is the reason we don't know anything pretty much about the club as three days before he died in 1774 he ordered all of his servants all of his house you know housemaids and stuff to burn every single record of the club Mm. was said to have had a massive bonfire on his estate and just lit it all up yeah it's very sort of oh the hard drive was destroyed Mm -hmm. and now we can't possibly prove a thing clear your browser history and all that yeah but it's you think think, (laughs) just google delete last hour (laughs) nothing (laughs) mum just nothing absolutely we've all been there Paul no but it's you. They surely had something to hide. You wouldn't just no, you wouldn't. every day just go. Oh, I'm just going to burn this. Yeah, if it was just a bunch of guys having a nice instant drink, mm-hmm. doing fantasy football. Yeah, then you just you'd be fine with that. Mm-hmm. But no, whilst having orgies in a cave, you thought I might get rid of that. But the reason we know who some of the members were, we'll see as we go down. There's actually a list on the wall because there was a diary found, I believe, that does have listed some of the members. I was always taught never to read someone else's diary, but I'm sure I can make an exception. Before we wrap this episode up, we're going to leave Paul behind bars where he belongs and head off to our final destination for this episode. There's a T-junction mm-hmm. in the route, a left and a right. Yeah. Is there any sort of difference between which one we pick? There is. There so is. this oh. was said to be Lord Sandwich's circle. So the Montague family, also known as the Earls of Sandwich, they were members of the club themselves. So it was said that men would go to the left and women would go to the right and you'd meet round the other side and meet your partner for the evening. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So shall I go left, you go right? Right. See you in a bit. See you in a bit. All right. right. Bye. And I never saw her again. Nah, only joking. Willow will be back next week, dragging me further into hell. And our producer, Willem, has a vision. I can see, like, figures staring at Mm -hmm. me from about 30 metres away. Can confirm they are mannequins. Last time I checked. They are mannequins. Yeah, last time I checked. Good. How many mannequins do you say there are? Just two down there. There's three down there. There's not, there's two. I can see three. There's two. Is that not one on the left? There's one on the left and one on the right. What's the thing in the middle? Ooh, what is that thing in the middle? A body? A spirit? An anti-climax? I hope not. Join us next week to find out. Until then, remember, keep it PG, don't dilly-dandy on the way, and mind your manners. Thanks for listening to Bad Manners. If you like the pod, please share it with your friends. Rate it on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review and make sure you spill the tea on any of your favourite bad manners that we could feature in future episodes. This podcast was produced by Atomize Studios for iHeartRadio. It was hosted by me, Tom Horton. It was produced by Willa Malensky, Rebecca Rappaport and Chris Attaway. It was executive produced by Faye Stewart and Zad Rogers. 
Our production manager is Caitlin Paramore and our production coordinator is Bella Cellini. There's a shortcut to platinum status at Shell. To saving 10 cents per gallon on every fill every day. Just fill up six times with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline and it's yours. Plus, you'll rejuvenate your engine. Get ready to level up performance, rewards, and savings. With continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors, platinum status is earned with 12 fill-ups over three months, 10-gallon minimum per fill-up at participating Shell locations. Terms apply. Visit fuelrewards.com status. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.